How's everyone doing? Man? No, last night was amazing. We have just great expectations that the Lord's going to do amazing things the rest of this conference. Amen? Man, praise God. I don't think I should have brought this big mug here. I have a place to put it, but um, I want to invite you guys to stand up in honor of God's word. Nothing too spiritual in standing up, just so we can reflect here on the word of God. And I want to read with you guys two passages of, of scripture. Um, they're located in the book of James chapter 2. Awesome. Thank you. James chapter 2, verse 26, and Hebrews chapter 11, read verses 1 and 2. And I wanted to just kind of continue where Pastor Tim um, started. He started off with this essence of, of our identity in Christ and how we live by this revelation of God's grace in our lives. Amen. We are here by God's grace. And matter of fact, what defines us as the church, as, as people of God, is not what the world says. Amen? I mean, who are we in essence? Like, we're not defined by what circumstances say about us, and we're not defined by what other people might say about us. But the great news of the gospel is that in the cross... Christ defines us. Amen? In the cross, you and I are not defined by our failures, but we are defined by his forgiveness. Amen? On the cross, we are not defined by our circumstances, but we are defined by his new covenant. Amen? On the cross, we are not defined by the things that surround us, but we are defined by God's spirit who lives within us. And so I want to just move forward from this, this point where we've reached understanding that we are defined by the gospel. We are defined by what the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so I wanted to see here with you guys, I want to just touch on this aspect of faith this morning. And I want to briefly look at these texts here. So if you can, if you have your Bible open in James chapter 2, I'm going to read it with everybody. Let's see, uh, so chapter 2, verse 26, the last verse here in the chapter, and then we'll jump over to Hebrews. It says this, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is also dead. Now let's jump to Hebrews chapter 11. And it says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. And by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Just till there. I invite you to close your eyes, your heads. Lord, we just want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you 
Lord, for everything that you have been doing in our lives up till, to, till this moment, Lord. We thank you for your grace, for your faithfulness, for your love and compassion. And we just pray that we may continue walking forward, stepping forth in boldness and in faith, Lord, in this understanding and in this revelation. Lord, that this word may not be human wisdom, but it may be, Lord, revelation for our new lives that you're calling us to live as of this conference, Lord. We thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated. So, I wanted to talk this morning about believing in God for greater things. And I wanted to, as you are getting situated there in your seats, I want to invite you to leave your Bible open in one more passage of Scripture because this is where we're going to focus most of our time. And in the book of 2 Kings, there's something very interesting that happens. 2 Kings chapter 3, there's a situation here with the prophet Elisha. And the way I see it, there are actually two major reasons why many well-intentioned believers in Christ People who are saved, who have heard the gospel, received the revelation, and they believe in Jesus Christ, but they, they get stuck in certain moments in their lives, and they don't seem to be able to move forward. And I believe that it's because of two major things. First is that we do not dream big enough. And the second thing is that we do not start small enough. And there was a few years back a book that I read that really inspired me and actually this message is based on this book and it speaks of the prophet Elisha and I wanted to just focus and zero in here on 2 Kings chapter 3 with you guys and I wanted to see some verses here together with you. You see because something happens in the ministry and in the life and calling of Elisha. We're already in this moment where it's like the first challenge, this first step in his ministry, right? I mean, he already went through this experience of being called by God and Elijah, his mentor, calls him. And the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 19 that he was behind the plow and he, he abandons that, right? He leaves the plow behind because that old life that he was living represented a state of just spiritual survival. It was a, a state of comfortable complacency with sin it was a state of just this miserable mediocrity that he was in and God calls him to get away from the plow and, and, and he puts on that mantle the, the animal skin which represents God's spirit upon his life and it's interesting that he goes on and he not only leaves the plow behind but he burns it right he he just completely decimates any chance of going back to the past and he gets rid of all regret. And also burning represents just that full surrender that he gave to the Lord. And then he goes on to succeed his mentor, Elijah, to experience greater things than his own mentor experienced in his ministry. And so this is the context here where we find ourselves. And Elisha has this, one of the first challenges in his ministry is right here in 2 Kings chapter 3. And I want you to know that Elisha, like many of us should have, is he had these big dreams in God. He asked for that double portion. And so he dreamed big. He had 
great things, great ideas in his heart and this fire that was just kindled in, within him that he wanted to experience in the Lord. And there's this quote by D.L. Moody who said, if God is your partner, then make sure your plans are big. Amen? And so if we believe that God has greater things for us, then we're already in that first step. You see, there's something very interesting here that happens. And I wanted to look here, read some verses. We're going to have the verses up here on the screen as well. But in verses, in the first four verses, we get like an introduction to a war that's going on. And we see there are three kings. The king Israel, the king of Judah, the king of Edom. And they come together to fight one king, a very powerful king. A king who is not cooperating and is rebelling against the other nations. And they come together and they decide to battle this king. And now I want to just pick up with you guys. So 2 Kings chapter 3, let's see what's going on here. Okay, Starting in verse 4. We're going to read through verse 9. It says, Now Misha, the king of Moab, was a sheep breeder, and he had to deliver to the king of Israel 100,000 lambs and the wool of 100,000 rams. But when Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So King Jehoram marched out of Samaria at that time and mustered all of Israel. And he went and he sent word to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, the king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to battle against Moab? And he said, I will go. I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. And then he said, by which way shall we march? And Jehoram answered, by the way of the wilderness of Edom. And so the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. So we have the three kings here together. And when they made a circuitous march of seven days, which represents completion, there was no water for the army or for the animals that followed them. And so I want to stop right here. So they make a decision and they choose to go out in battle. And circumstances come up that were beyond their expectations. They were not prepared for these circumstances. And I don't know about you, but has this ever happened in your life before? Where you have faced something that you weren't expecting in maybe your work or in your relationships? Maybe in your plans for your career or actually your walk of faith? Something unexpected happens in your life. And we see these kings, so they decide... And they decide on their own to do things on their own. And when we get to verse 10, where we stopped, it says, And then the king of Israel said, once he sees this situation, when he sees the unexpected, he says, Alas, the Lord has called these three kings to give them into the hand of Moab. And he becomes desperate. They enter the state of despair because they've tried everything they could but they didn't bring God into the equation. And so we see that things finally get so bad that there's this moment where they cry out to the Lord. And then verse 11 says, And Jehoshaphat said, Is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? And then one of the, 
one of the king of Israel's servants answered, Yes, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. And so they don't know exactly who Elisha is, but they know who his mentor is. And they're like, Okay, so we've tried everything, and it hasn't worked. We've completed absolutely everything that we have in our resources, in our physical capabilities. And now all we can do, in other words, he says, all we can do is just pray and wait in God. And so they call for Elisha in this situation. And one thing that I believe that sets Elisha apart from all the others is his ability to trust God, not only for bigger and greater things, but to be able to trust God and to be able to step out in faith in what God has for his life. And sometimes, my brothers and sisters, there are situations that will rise up. There might be a need in your life that is going to actually put you in a place where you finally have to seek God. And you have to seek a power that is infinitely greater than what you have at your disposal. And you might have a great need in your life at this very moment as I'm saying this. But I want to tell you that, that this may be a good thing for your life because if this can lead you to a greater dependence on God's grace and his love and his care for your life then this ultimately is your opportunity for the first step in faith amen because I believe strongly that God gives us opportunities you see opportunities are God's gift to us but what we choose to do with these opportunities is our gift to God Amen. And so these kings, they are in this situation. They have tried everything at, uh, at, that, that they have available. And now their last resort is calling on God. And they invite Elisha, the man of God, to come. And so remember, this is his first opportunity to speak a word, a prophetic word to these great kings. And it's not just one king, it's three kings at once. And so you might imagine, right, it's your first opportunity. So you want to you wanna really say something inspirational, right? You want to say something that's heartwarming, that's, that's, that's going to really entertain them and encourage them, right? And so, so we see Elisha in this situation. Look at his response here, verse 13. This is really interesting. He says, and Elisha said to the king of Israel, what have I to do with you? What? And he goes on, he says, Go to the prophets of your father and to the prophets of your mother. But the king of Israel said to him, No, it is the Lord who has called these three, these three kings together to give them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, were it not for that regard that I have for Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would neither look at you nor see you. Wow, that doesn't sound too politically correct, does it? In this situation where these authority figures are, are inviting Elisha to bring a word of God. And it's interesting that he does not give himself into the pressures of others around him, but he gives himself in, intentionally and totally to what God wanted him to say. And so he positions himself in this understanding of his calling and who he is and the big dreams that he has in God. And we see Elisha stand before these kings. And look at what he does. He, he asks in verse 15, he says this, Now bring me a musician. Interesting. 
Let me give you a little bit of context here. In the times of Elisha, in the times of the prophets, um, many historians say that prophets, they would, they would go with musicians, like a harpist, so that he could start playing like a melody, a song of worship to the Lord. And as they were playing, just that atmosphere would be generated. And not that, we, we could actually, what we would call today like mood music. And, 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 and as the musician would play, there would just be this increase in the sensitivity to the presence and the word of God. And the prophet would actually, he would be able to phase out the noisiness that was going, around, going on around him. And he was able to just focus on what the Lord had to say. So it wasn't necessarily to increase God's presence. It was just that the prophet's sensitivity to God's presence had to be made more aware of God's presence and what God had to do. And so the harpist starts to play. And I want to ask a musician to help me out here so that we could get this narrative, this story going on in our minds. Right, where's the, the key guy, the keyboard? Where is he? Amen, bro. Help me out here real quick. So just imagine, okay, the kings, they're in this moment where they're, they're, they're in a drought. They're in the valley. They're about to face a very powerful and strong and destructive enemy. And, and they're waiting for a word from God. And the prophet comes with his first opportunity to speak a word, right? And he's going to bring the message that God has given him to give. And this is really interesting. So he asks for the musician and the music starts playing. Go ahead, bro. And you're just like thinking, you know, oh, now Elisha's going to declare, you know, God's going to send rain over his people right now. The Lord's going to send his angels and his mighty armies to back you up and to de defeat your enemy. That God's, God's going to give you that job that you needed. God's going to bring you into that relationship that you, you have been praying for. God's, God's going to, he's going to just break through in this area of your life. Just sit there. Just wait. Don't worry. It's coming. Right? So imagine this is going on and the music is playing and there's this just inspiration going on and inspiration guys is actually it's just awesome it's inspiration is fantastic but unfortunately a lot of us we don't know the difference between what is inspiration and participation in God's purposes and so the musician is playing and the kings are waiting and they have this expectation in what the prophet has to say when their expectations should be in what God has for them. And we reach this verse, verse 16. You ready? We got it? And he says, This is what the Lord says. Dig ditch after ditch. In this valley wait a second what what where's the where's the inspiration pastor what where, where's the encouragement God's my soldiers are are just worn out we're exhausted we are tired we don't know what to do we do not have any more physical resources at our uh, at our availability at our disposition what is this word dig a ditch what how like what what's going on here and this is interesting because God I believe 
spoke first in this manner so that they could understand that you see the Lord, He is not a shortcut, but He is a solution. Amen? And if all we want in our lives from the Lord is just a better car, a better job, nicer things, a new relationship, new friends, a better salary at work, etc., then that's not faith, guys. It's actually idolatry. Because we're basing our expectations on what God can give us instead of focusing on the giver of all good things. Amen? And so they're here and they're expecting something and they're waiting for something because yes, they tried everything that they had and it was not working. And the first thing that I want from God is if it is the thing that He can give me, then guess what? He's going to make me wait. He's going to tell me to wait because he, needs, he wants me and He needs me to understand that the focus is not what He can give me. That, that God isn't just another option in a, in, in, a, in a multitude of options that I can choose, but God is the only option. God is the only solution for this situation that I am in. And so He speaks as, as if like God has something prepared ahead of time, but they need to act and step in, out in faith right now. And this is really interesting because lots of times we deal with these situations in our own lives. I can, um, I can just remember many times where, not just in my ministry, but in, in the beginning of my faith, how I, I just was beyond my resources and waiting and expecting for God to do something, to move in a certain way. And I received an order of, of, of stepping out where God said, just move forward. Do what I showed you you need to do. Use the, resource that I, the resources that I have given you. What do you have in your hand? Step out in faith. Understand this, that, 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 that I'm going to move and work through this calling and I'm going to support and sustain this calling in your life through this action. And so we need to understand that faith is not a magic trick. Faith is not a lottery ticket, but faith is actually a work order. Amen? Faith is a permission slip. And so if we want to see water, then we need to be willing to dig ditches. If you want God to bless you financially, then you need to put Him in the center of your finances and place Him first in your, your expenses. If you want God to, to bless your family, then, then you need to decide right now in the beginning of your family to place Him in the center of your relationships. If you want God to give you a great ministry, then you need to understand that it all starts with prioritizing His kingdom and making Him the center of your life. Because let me tell you something, when the musician stops playing and the inspiration stops flowing, that is exactly where faith begins. Not just to ask God for rain, but to be able and willing to dig a ditch in preparation for the rain, even when you don't see any clouds. And so I don't know about you, my brothers and sisters. But I'm like this, of part of this like millennial generation and we like things fast, right? And we're, we're skeptics by nature. And we just want to see things, right? And if we don't see things right away, 
we, we kind of lose, uh, lose a bit of, of that inspirational effect. And so, so we, you know, we want like things that, that work really quickly. And, and like, you know, I, I, I spent 35 years of my life and I never really dedicated to working out, but yet I want abs in like 90 days, right? So I go and I get P90X and I want to look just like that guy in the video in 90 days because that's, that, that's just how I am. I want to see those fast results. But sometimes you see God wants us to take one step of faith at a time to experience his grace one measure after another. Faith to faith. Glory to glory. And so he says, dig a ditch. Because James, the apostle, reaffirms this and he says, faith without works is what? It's dead. And so I want you to turn to the person sitting next to you. I want you to nudge him. Just tell him, hey, dig a ditch. Dig a ditch. Because you're in the valley. It's the dry season. And you don't see any clouds in the sky. You're tired. You're weary. Your muscles are sore. And now God wants you to dig a ditch for rainfall that you don't even see any clouds that, that are forming at all. That is where faith steps in. That is where faith becomes the reality that you are in. And that's what the Lord wants us to understand. He wants us to get beyond that inspiration and into the level of participation in His purposes and in His work in our lives. And just like you can look throughout the Bible and you can see great men and women of God like David facing this giant and the army that was behind him. And David goes up and he faces Goliath and he speaks in past tense and he says, the Lord has delivered you into my hands. And he faces the giant and takes that first step in faith. And when we look at other great men and women of God like Daniel, and he's in this amazingly vast and powerful empire, and he is part of this group of princes and he decides and determines in his heart to listen to what the Spirit of God is telling him and he says look I don't need your protein shakes okay I don't need your picanha to get big okay I'm just gonna eat the vegetables just give me greens because I know in the I have faith and I believe in the God who called me and brought me into this situation Faith is an action where you have nothing in your hands except the staff. And God says, what do you have? And Moses says, I have a staff. And so when Moses comes before this great sea and the nation is behind him and behind the nation of Israel is the armies of Pharaoh. And God says, now you're going to get that which you have in your hands and you're just going to do this. And I will do the rest. And the seas, they begin to part. And they begin to prophetically, prophetically walk in faith in the midst of the waters. I mean, uh, imagine how crazy that is. Even just seeing that happening. But as you walk in the middle of the sea and looking at the walls, the Bible says there are walls of water on the sides. I mean, how much faith just to go through and look at those walls and know that God is not going to let those walls of water fall upon me until I make it through. Think about Joshua, where God said, you know, your mentor, I was with Moses, your mentor, your pastor, and I'm going to be with you just like I was with Moses. Not identically alike, but I'm going to be with you like I was with Moses. And so then he comes to the situation where they have to part the, the Jordan River. And now it's a little bit different because Moses had the staff, right? And now God says, now you're going to send the priests with the ark and they're going to go. And now... Instead of standing in front of the waters, you're going to step into the waters. 
I mean, just imagine Joshua in this situation where he believes in God for great things, right? But the circumstances don't look like that. And God says, step out in faith. And so he's just like, I could imagine him talking to the, 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 the Israelites and say, guys, don't worry, okay? Don't worry. Um, the Lord's going to provide. He's going to part the waters. Don't worry. And I could just imagine them like just getting their feet wet and stepping into the river. And step by step. And the Bible says that when their feet were submerged into the water, then the waters began to part. It's the first step. Faith begins on the first step. And so just going back to what we read here in Hebrews chapter 11, this is, this is just a very powerful text. It's, it's one of my favorite texts, but let me just read it really quickly, just one and two. Uh, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. I don't know about you, but have you ever read a passage in scripture that just didn't make much sense to you? And like, you, you pretended for a very long time that you understood what it said, right? Just to go along with people. But, but you really struggled with understanding. I mean, just think about this verse. This is powerful. This is very powerful. It is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Interesting. Um, another version that I like is it says that it is the confidence in what we hope for. Now, if you're like me, I have, I have a tendency, okay? I just, that's how we are, I guess, millennials. We have a tendency to have more confidence in what we have versus what we hope for. Amen? Uh, just so you could understand this better. I mean, it's just easier for you to have confidence in something you have right now than in something that you hope to have in the future. And actually, many people uh, in the world today and many people in the church, believers in Jesus Christ, they do not have confidence in what they hope for. They only have confidence in the things they have at the moment. And then they, like these three kings, they focus on the circumstances. They look at the drought. They look at the armies coming against them. They look at their circumstances, their resources. And they, they ha only have confidence in what they have. And they enter this state of despair, of regret, anxiety, stress, and fear. Because they're looking and they're focusing on what they have. I don't know, maybe there's a young man here listening to me and you're in a job that you're frustrated with. You're earning very well, but you know that this isn't God's dream for you. You're comfortable. You're in a situation where you're earning well, you don't have any pressures on you, but ever since you were young, God gave you a calling and you have this fire burning deep in your heart and in your soul. And yet you are considering what you have versus what you hope for. Did you ever have, I know like as a pastor, sometimes young ladies, they come to me and they come up to me and they say, Pastor Gus, um, I need some advice because um, I have a friend who's dating a guy, right? It's always a friend. She says, I have a friend who's dating this guy, right? And he's like sort of Christian. He's not really a believer in Jesus, but he's a great guy, Pastor. He's just a great guy. And, 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 and he's just, he, he, I mean, he's there, you know, he's present. You know, and that's important, right? Um, he has to be breathing and living, so that's important. Um, and, 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 and so, and oh, my friends, right? My friends, boyfriend, he's, he's a little bit rude, ignorant, um, and dismissive of, of God's things. And, and I know that God has a great calling for my, uh, for my friend's life, 
But it's just, it's just, you know, sometimes she just says to herself, look, I don't know why I'm dating this guy. I know, as a pastor, exactly why she's dating this guy. Because she has confidence in what she has instead of having confidence in what she hopes for. Uh-oh, yeah, I just said it, yes. Young guys, same situation. How many times do we give up on God's calling and the ministry he has for us, the great future, the great things that he's calling us to step into because we have confidence in the situation we're in right now and not the hope that God has called us into. And then going on to the second part where it says conviction in what you don't see. Again, I think we normally have more conviction in what we see versus what we don't see. Am I right? I mean, if, just with me, if you get a chair and you place a chair right next to me and you say, Pastor Gus, there's this chair here and right next to it is an invisible chair. Now, can, I would like you to sit on the invisible chair. I'm going to be like, no, thank you. No, you sit on it. Let me see you sit. I'm going to sit on the chair I can see. But that's not faith. You guys with me? Faith is having this conviction in what you don't see. But what is interesting is that faith, it actually shifts us. It causes us to live with a confidence in what we hope for and a conviction in what we do not see. The writer and preacher, Erwin McManus, he says something really interesting. He says that we Christians are materializers of the invisible. And we take God's ideas and dreams for our lives and we turn them into reality. That is through faith. It is stepping out, understanding our, number one, our identity in Christ. And then be willing to step out into God's calling and into his great dreams for our lives. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't experience God's best in their lives. And they just assume that God just chose not to move in their lives. But that's not the truth. Because what I've learned is that if you are not willing to move in faith, then God's not going to move for you. He accomplished everything on the cross. He gave you all the resources, the richness and the wealth of Christ Jesus is all ours. We need to be willing to make that first step into his calling. Amen? So, like I said, I don't know what your situation is this morning. I want to assure you that God is not limited to anything. But what he is saying this morning to us is that if you believe, my son, my daughter, if you believe that I'm going to do what I said I would do, then get busy. Start digging ditches. Show me your faith and I will show you my faithfulness. Do your part and I will do mine. Because you see, the possible we do and the impossible God does. Amen? And going back to this text, okay, going back to 2 Kings chapter 3, so after the prophet says this, then he brings that promise here in verse 16, right? He's at, he tells them to dig ditches, and then on verse 17 he says, For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind or rain, but that stream bed shall be filled with water so that you shall drink, you, your livestock, your animals, and 
And this is a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will also give the Moabites into your hand and you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city and shall fell every good tree and stop up all the springs of water and ruin every good piece of land within your enemy's boundaries. So this is really interesting. So first God says, step out in faith, dig ditches, and then he says, and you will see the results. Amen? And so this is essential. We need to understand this. Because... Let me tell you something. Opening the floodgates is God's specialty. But He has a sign apart for you and for me. And He wants our faith in motion. You see, the world, it prepares for something that they know they can accomplish. But it's different for us. You see, believers in Christ, God's people, we prepare for what we know we cannot accomplish on our own but rather we can only receive it by faith so that we can step out in faith. And it is only by God's grace that we can position ourselves to receive. And it's interesting that many times when we step out in faith, you don't really need to completely dig all the dishes till you start seeing the results. I don't know about you, but in my life, every time I stepped out in faith, God just started to show me his provision and his care as I was walking. And the same way, I want to challenge you this morning, during this first session. Maybe you have come here from far away, from another state, other town, another church. Maybe you've been struggling with this, calling in your heart. You have the passion, you have the dreams, you have prophetic words in your life, but you just never made that decision. Well, you know your identity in Christ. You know that everything you have is in Jesus Christ. And so my question is, what's holding you back? Are you looking at what you have, or are you looking at what you hope for? Maybe you're here this morning, and your big dream is to become like the great prophet Elisha. Let me tell you something, your walk with God might not be like the prophet Elisha's overnight, but you can start with the small steps. You can start with a deeper relationship with the Lord, spending at least 10 minutes a day in fellowship with him and as you progress you just grow in that time and in that devotion maybe you don't have the ability to have a great and successful ministry overnight but let me tell you something you could start my by taking that first step and leading a life group this semester maybe you don't have you haven't reached that point of having the marriage you always dreamed and hoped for or maybe you haven't even started this family yet. You can't get that overnight, but you can take that first step. And you can place Jesus as the center of all your relationships. Amen? Maybe you're not going to overnight become that entrepreneur who dreamed of one day starting a business that would be so successful that it would support and sustain financially the planting of thousands of churches throughout all the nations. Maybe it's not going to happen overnight, but let me tell you something. You can start with that first step, making Jesus the center of your finances. I don't know what brought you here this morning. hope it's not because of what God can offer you, and I hope that you can see God as the essence, the solution, and everything we need for us to reach these big dreams in the Lord. And to end, I just want to read here verse 1 and 2 of 
Hebrews chapter 12. I love Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. And I absolutely love Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Look at this with me. I invite the rest of the worship to come forward. I'm about to finish here. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus the founder and the perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God I believe God is calling us to step up in faith this morning. Amen? And I want to invite you to stand up this morning. Because God has called you. God has given you His Word. He has revealed your identity to you. And this morning is the morning you're going to take that first step forward in faith. Into His purposes. Into His greater callings. Into His greater work in your life. Because our faith as God's people is not like any other faith out there. You see, our faith is transparent. It is transcendent. It is transformational. Our faith teaches us to cross over obstacles, shout down walls in the name of Jesus, and to break through crowds and walk on water, even in the midst of storms. Amen? Our faith enables us to survive the fires of life, to overcome the den of lions, to silence the serpent in the name of Jesus, and to outwit the fox, and to be successful in whatever task you are taking on. Our faith empowers us to see the invisible, to embrace the impossible, and to hope for the incredible. Amen? So I know you're here this morning, and you have this prophetic purpose of God in your life. And you're at a crossroads. You've got to make this decision. Going to go back to your church, you're going to go back home. And let me tell you something this is the defining waters, amen. This conference is this moment in your life where you're going to say, No, that was when I stepped out. I know exactly what you're dealing with, what, what God has said to you this morning. I'm just going to take a few minutes, a few moments. As the worship group continues uh, praising, um, if you would like to just come forward, ask the pastors to help us out, pray over these brothers and sisters. I don't know what you're dealing with, but God knows. Maybe the Lord is calling you this morning, calling you to step out, to leave behind what you see, step into what you hope for. Have the confidence in his calling and not in your circumstances would like to experience this then I would like to invite you to step forward come up we're gonna pray with you guys as the worship group just continues singing